Pictures Animation, attempting to capture the biggest fads of the better days and ride in this ultra wave to box office Valhalla, have created Memes, the movie, starring Leonardo DiCaprio as This Is Fine Dog. The film is a financial disaster, costing well over $320 million to produce and only making $90 opening weekend, thanks to massive protests orchestrated by Grand and Morton Trump, who is displeased by the studio casting Aziz Ansari as Salt Bay rather than a true American actor. Sony Corporation CEO Kaz Rae is forced to commit ritual suicide on top of the Sony Global Headquarters building. His severed head is delivered back to the United States as a form of appeasement. However, the film proves to be an unexpected hit in China, grossing well over $1 billion. The sequel is fast-tracked, sparking global nuclear war between Great America and the rest of the planet. In a final ditch effort to prevent the chain of events that has doomed mankind, four intrepid movie watchers were sent back in time to persuade audiences to watch something else opening weekend. The plan is an utter failure, as our heroes were mistakenly sent not only to the wrong year, but to the wrong continent. To kill time, they have decided to spoil the summer movies of 2017. Here are our warnings, friends, and do not waste your precious popcorn dollars where entertainment is not to be had. And welcome to Box Office Pulp, ladies and gentlemen. You are one podcast stop for movies, madness, and moxie. I'm your host, Cody, and joining me today are my loyal cohorts, Mike. Domo. James. Hey. And MB. Arigato. And to open things up on a lighter note than normal, since we all might be dead soon, <laughs> wanted to clear the air by giving a special thanks to you guys for joining me today. And a uh, big shout out to Mike, who does most of the real bulk of the legwork on this program. Uh, he posts all of our episodes online. Handles the editing. Uh, James and Alex, of course, always give pretty much the juicy bits of discussion while I kind of pretend to drive the show. And they do most of the Twitter management, including a tweet we just sent out about being like Michael Fassbender's penis. So it's all quality work. I'm really worried about the fact that Cody is starting off this episode by, like, being really pleasant to us, because that's usually a bad sign. Are you going to set off a bomb? (laughs) What, I can't be nice for once? I just feel uh, like you're going to reenact the third act of Last, Last Action Hero at us, and you're preparing us for it. Guys, hey, hey. guys, guys, Leo the Heart's gonna pass gas one last time! <laughs> I came in with a plan. I don't have an escape plan. So we're gonna see where this takes us, and we're gonna go on a journey together that some of us may not survive. Anyways, uh, folks at home, we are covering the movies of summer 2017. And we're going to tell you if you should waste your money or not. Uh, you might think we're wrong. Trust us. That's all I can tell you. Just just believe in the process. Yeah. Or waste your money on Transformers 8. I don't give a shit. It's your money. You can, you can be dumb. Look, we've never been wrong before, except for the times where we've been wrong. And those don't count. Those we deleted the Man moments. of Steel episode. <laughs> I, did, uh, I did recently go back and listen to our last summer preview episode. Yeah. <laughs> what were we excited about that turned out to be very wrong? 
it's it's best we don't address these things. Okie doke. Or the things we thought were going to be utter failures and were amazing. We were really concerned about Fury Road, and it's hilarious. And <laughs> I have pushed no, that out of my into the love guru. <laughs> <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But anyways, listen to us. We know what we're talking about. We're not going to be wrong twice. Ignore everything I just said. <laughs> There's all the reason in the world to listen to us. <laughs> And steel doors fall down behind wherever these people are, and now they're trapped listening to our show, even though they're probably listening closer to like the sound of their fingernails scraping against metal. But hey, we're background noise. I almost just said a Game of Thrones spoiler, but then I remembered MB has since started season three yet. Ah, exciting. I give away my secrets. Uh, tweet at MB and <laughs> give him Game of Thrones. MB, create a Twitter account so they can tweet spoilers at you. And you can tweet at Frank Grillo to beat this shit out of me. <laughs> I opened up an episode nice, and this is how you were paying me. Hey, we're paying tribute to you, man. The box office poll would be nothing without the guiding hand of Cody Alf. Exactly. You are box office pulp and all of its uh, alcoholism. Uh, we're just paying tribute to you by sticking Frank Grillo on you. So <laughs> It's what you've always wanted. I don't want to get beat to death by Frank Grillo. On a caveat, unless it's on the set of The Purge 4. <laughs> Just assume. Because then it's legal. <laughs> it's legal to kill Cody Al for 24 hours. A lot of people don't know this, but if you die filming a Purge movie, they did not break the law. It doesn't matter how you died. Oh, the Purge is actually legal, even if it's in a fictional presentation of The Purge. Oh, it's like this at sliver of that national park where murder is legal? Yeah. It's just the same exact thing. There's just a, a hole wherever the purge is being filmed in law. I'm just going to go ahead and say this spoiler. There is no purge four coming out this year. So we're not going to be covering the purge four. We don't know the turnaround on those things. We do have in the realm of horror films, though, coming out May 2nd. Ah, uh, see, I've almost got us on track. I'm going to see if I can finish the landing. We're starting in May, by the way, despite technically April being the start of summer movies. I don't count look. April. It's not my summer. Look, look, look. The Fate of the Furious looks hilarious, and Dom wears a supervillain costume. That's all you need to know. We've covered everything we would ever say. Continue, Cody. On May 2nd, we have the autopsy of Jane Doe getting a limited release, and I am super excited for this one. Oh, same. As am I. I know uh, nothing about it. Okay, so I do have a quick write-up here. I just read it and realized it's not that informative, so we'll go with it. <laughs> okay. The Autopsy of Jane Doe is a 2016 American supernatural horror film directed by Andre Orvidal, uh, the guy who directed Troll Hunters. Uh, it stars Emile Hirsch and Brian Cox as father and son coroners who experience supernatural phenomena while examining the body of an unidentified woman. Yeah, if you have not seen the trailer to this yet, I'd recommend uh, looking it up now. It's it's a doozy. It seems pretty darn spooky. And it's just, it's one of those movies that gets you with the elevator pitch alone. Like, it's a body horror movie that's in real time about an autopsy. It's like, well, my ass is in the seat. And they happen to get a really good cast. Like, it's just two actors who are very good. It's a Emile Hirsch in things. <laughs> How know. exciting that is. He is going to go fast. Into the wild. A third movie. <laughs> there was Prince a... Avalanche. <laughs> oh, I forgot. I've never actually seen that. I, I saw a shit ton of previews for it. As did I. I would like to watch that, but I don't... The mustache on Paul Rudd. 
But yeah, the autopsy of Jane Doe has not even uh, been given a full release yet and is already racking up a huge amount of kudos. It's pretty much the horror movie event of the year, which I find hilarious. Stephen <laughs> King's excited for it. I'm excited just, for it if he is. It's just this tiny, tiny horror movie yeah, from the director of a cult foreign film that's getting this much attention. That's very exciting. So glad he's doing something. We've been I know, I thought last... he was just gone for a while. Yeah, we've been pretty lucky with small-scale horror films kind of breaking out the last few years. Oh, definitely. This like is with one It Follows of... and all that stuff, like, this is a good time for small, well-made horror films to kind of start popping up and taking advantage of the box office. So I'm hoping this year's the big winner. Yeah. Oh, we're definitely at the beginning of what feels like a massive wave uh, in horror. It's a really exciting time to be a fan. Also, the third fil- film for Emil Hirsch? girl next door <laughs> oh yeah oh he's gonna go fast into her foot <laughs> there i made the fucking joke <laughs> and it was into the wild <laughs> oh the wild is wild eliza cuthbert she couldn't come unless she plays the corpse does she play the corpse because that would she... be kind of hilarious sorry does not play the corpse so she's still in nothing yeah cody's a fan cody's a fan Oh, that lovely. I wish they had once. I enjoyed it though. But it's good. It's it's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. I've been obsessed with the trailer to the girl next door. My entire adult life. It's my dream to recreate that shot for shot for no reason. That's the next box office pulp art project. We recreate the trailer to the girl next door, starring James in every role. Oh, I'm all wet. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Take it back. Move on. I like- we're going to sweet a movie that has no special effects in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless you count early 2000s Eliza Cuthbert as a special effect. I do. I personally do. Can we cu- can we cut together the trailers to a Girl Next Door and Disturbia into one movie? <laughs> do you mean they're not already? They kind of are. I think they're in the same universe, released on the same street. <laughs> My God, Timothy Oliphant killed that woman. <laughs> Best Ollie Fent performance, by the way, next to Dreamcatcher. I agree. You know what, what weirded me out is that I thought you meant Suspiria? <laughs> now that's a fast that be movie. Dario Argento's Girl Next Door. There is a young boy becomes obsessed with a, porno, with a pornographic actress with supernatural abilities. And then it's the Goblin score place. <laughs> See, they, they announced the remake to... I, I'm sorry, the release date to the remake of Suspiria. I forgot it already filmed. Yeah. Ah, it was not a... uh, when is that coming out? The cast for it's actually surprising. It's like Tilda Swinton, uh, Chloe Grace Moritz, and Dakota Johnson. Who's directing that? Uh, Luca Guagino. That piece of shit? I don't know. Get him! I don't recognize anything on his filmography. Uh, Call Me By Your Name, A Bigger Splash, a lot of documentaries and shorts, uh, something called I Am Love. All right. There, Yeah, there's nothing that is uh, All right. recognizable, at least to me, a lot of shorts. So that's coming out. The yeah. Ox Office Pulp has no idea what to think about the Suspiria remake. That's entirely true. I'm sure I'll watch it and be mystified. I think we're all... coming out on Amazon, so... Let's, let's jump to a movie I think we'll all be in agreement on. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, coming out May 5th. Yes. More of Dave Batista laughing like a five-year-old. Ah, uh, yes. 
More space monsters and Gamora just thrusting herself at them. For two and a half hours. More Mantis. More just everything. Ego the living planet. More Kurt Russell. We just need more Kurt Russell. And I'm pretty sure it's bearded Kurt Russell, it which is. is one of my favorite types of Kurt Russell. Bearded cosmic Kurt Russell. Being and directed funny, by James Gunn. And what's funny is that we haven't even seen his final form. <laughs> We've only seen him oh. in a Funko. Oh, and he's totally going to be Ego the Living Planet at some point in that movie. You're gonna see that is Kurt, going to be animated. You're going to see Kurt Russell's bearded face as a planet. This Sound. is like the, the one and, sequel I have no fear of the director doing better than the first one. A lot of times I think, well, the first one's iffy, the second one will be good. Or I think, the first one's pretty good, I bet the second one will drop off in quality. This one, no. I'm pretty sure it's going to be even the, better than the first, and I love the first. The trailer was even better than the first, and I love the first. Like, the trailer was one of the best teaser trailers I've ever seen in recent memory. It's just pure bliss boiled down to, like, two minutes. Just, it has Baby Groot. It has how, Baby Groot. That's how I know that movie's going to make a bazillion dollars. Because oh, yeah, Disney every time, Oh, God, every time the trailer plays and it gets to Baby Groot, you can collectively hear the entire audience go... Oh, and I am not fucking with you. Every single time I've seen this trailer play on like an opening weekend and the audience loses it at Baby Groot. They just start throwing their money at the screen and hoping that it comes out of it and then they can own it. I had my wallet out, too. I couldn't help myself. What I love is that James Gunn had to publicly state that Baby Groot was his idea and was there for storytelling purposes. He was not talked into it by toy people. But you know, after they completely screwed themselves on not making baby group merchandise for like eight months on the first film, they are wringing their hands right now. Oh, have you seen, have you seen just the little snippets of merchandise that we've already seen previews? The, uh, Baby Groot is all over it. It's oh yeah, it's there. Baby Groot's gonna have his spinoff. He's got his own Lego. We are gonna get so many Baby Groot toys, and then one Gamora toy. Two and a half years after the movie comes out, yeah. And then right. one kind of mention of Mantis on a T-shirt. It just what says is- Mantis. <laughs> <laughs> it's a green is- shirt, and, and it says Mantis in a slightly darker green. It's really confusing because she's not green in the movie. (laughs) What if they send out a beach ball with, like, a really shitty Sharpie drawing of Kurt Russell on it? (laughs) That's their their ego tie-in. Oh, my God. Could you imagine if they did do an inflatable ego and we could own, technically, an inflatable Kurt Russell? That is the next big toy. They they would be printing money with that, I promise you. Here's my thing. This would be fantastic for that. My ego's out of control. Some guy can't get it through a doorway. He's trying to stuff it in. His kids are just crying because their father is so fucking (laughs) stupid. (laughs) Jesus. I think you just projected your own future onto the podcast. Damn you, Kurt Russell. (laughs) Get back to the movie for a brief moment. Okay. Speaking of Ego the Living Planet, are you amused that they revealed that Ego the Living Planet is Star-Lord's dad, and James Gunn explained they had to do that because of marketing, and they they just haven't bothered to advertise that, so they seem to reveal that for no reason? (laughs) I was going to say, because they've really not touched on Kurt Russell at all in the trailers. 
And no. they're holding back the merchandise reveals until after the movie comes out. Like, the yeah. Funko thing just leaked accidentally. They should just merchandise every small... They should do it like Star Wars, where, like, Constable Zubio gets a figure, so we're all like, that guy's gotta be important. And no, he's like a two-second background character. Being obsessed with Constable Zubio. I want him to have a big role in one of the sequels to justify that guy getting a deluxe figure to start the series off. He looks okay. kinda cool. He does. That's probably why they made him as a toy. They looked at the designs, they're like, that guy looks like he's got potential, put him in. He has a book! <laughs> what more do you want out of Zubio? Now, speaking Presents. of Star Wars... Speaking of Star Wars, I would love if our prediction for Force Awakens came true with Guardians of the Galaxy, like what we were saying about BB-8 being the villain of the movie. It's like, I want Baby Groot to just be fucking evil. <laughs> so, <laughs> this movie, just laying motherfuckers out. The kids in the audience with their Baby Groot t-shirts are just crying. <laughs> so what you're saying I is that you want broke. this... You want this to be the summer of evil Vin Diesel. Yes. Wouldn't that be an amazing summer to live through? Well, you, I could actually see that being the plot of Volume 3. Just, it has that kind of trailer. Groot has been compromised. <laughs> Just cut to Rocket Raccoon being blown away by a machine gun held by Groot. Groot! No, no, it has to be way more graphic and horrifying. Groot's fingers start growing roots really long, going into Rocket's body. We are Groot. Oh, slowly torn apart. You guys remember Evil Dead 2? It'd be like that. Like, Groot's just launching Rocket Raccoon through the woods until eventually he gets split like a wishbone. Yes. Also, Groot has a Moscow tea at this point. <laughs> yes. Like, his declaration of we are Groot at the end of the first movie was his supervillain turning moment. <laughs> he wants the entire universe to be Groot, so uh, it can curb all of this chaos he's seen. That's actually what Infinity Gauntlet's about. I just want to say, it's very, it's very impressive that there's a movie coming out starring Chris Pratt, where the least, the least exciting thing about the movie is that it stars Chris Pratt. <laughs> That's a feat to accomplish. Like, that's how big Guardians have gotten, is that everything in that movie is amazing. And Chris Pratt is just kind of, like, on the scale of amazing next to, like, Groot, Drax, Gamora, like, everything. Those characters are legitimately legendary parts of pop culture now. It is funny, as far as the marketing goes, to see them advertise each character like they're the most important goddamn thing in the world. Because they are. Exactly. It's always so fun when you have an ensemble movie like that, where each person in the audience can pick a different character to cheer oh, yeah. for and actually be rewarded for that experience. It's not like they get one second to themselves. So you're like, that's my favorite. There's an actual justification in the film itself for being a Drax fan or a Gamora fan or whoever fan. Hey, I was a Nebula fan and I got rewarded. She didn't die. <laughs> now she's joining the team, so there you go. Oh, yeah, I hope we get so much more of Gamora and Nebula. I'm, I'm hoping for Yondu. Hey, hey, Yandu has fin. exactly. He has a final transformation. So you're getting Yandu. He's got and the Mohawk. I'm happy. Let's not forget the fact that this movie is going to introduce Taser Face. Taser Face. I don't think I we can improve I'm, I'm, on the commentary from that point. I think we should just move on and just say Taser Face <laughs> and leave it at that. Oh, before, before we do that, what's the over under as far as Adam Warlock showing? Ooh, uh, I think Adam Warlock is going to be replaced. I, I don't think it's going to be Adam Warlock anymore. It's going to be, I don't know, one of the already existing characters will just end up taking over his spot. 
I think Adam Warlock will appear in Black Panther. <laughs> what a wrinkle that would be. It would be kind of amazing, and this is something I've kind of suspected. I don't think at this point this would happen, but I have wondered if the whole Ego the Living Planet thing is just a massive, massive uh, case of subterfuge, and Russell is actually playing Adam Warlock. That would be fascinating. That would be interesting. Because that would be, wouldn't that be like the ultimate James Gunn troll? Like, yeah, it's Ego the Living Planet. And then it turns out Sylvester Sloan is actually Ego. Like, they said he's supposed to be Nova, but what if, like, a Nova Corps member, but what if, no, he's actually Ego? No, you know, you know, here's my thing. We have posters, like, confirmed for Nathan Fillion to be playing freaking Simon Williams, the Wonder Man. What if Nathan Fillion is, in fact, Adam Warlock? I buy literally all of this. Once again, we're just finding out what the... Like, we're just pitching the plot for Volume 3. Who is Adam Warlock? It could be anybody. You could be it. If you attend the movie, you could find out you are him. Listen, we have a better chance of seeing Warlock than the Collector. It turns out that Groot has been Warlock this entire time. <laughs> it would be kind of hilarious, since they do have her in the movie, if there just is no Adam Warlock in this universe, and they created one person and stopped there. I say good. <laughs> oh, you don't like Space Jesus? <laughs> I have enough. a limit on my Space Jesuses. Marvel has like nine Space Jesi. I, I agree. There's too many. They got to fight. There can only be one. Jesus on. combat! Space, 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 space. Anyway. I've watched that movie. Go a on. movie I may not watch, though. May 12th, <laughs> King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. So let it's me Guy Ritchie, who I do definitely appreciate as a director. I think he's fantastic. I love his Sherlock movies. Uh, but this movie has just done nothing for me to get me excited. I don't know if that's shitty marketing or if the film is just not that interesting. I have to say, I have never been less excited for a new movie by a director I love. Because it's not like there's been a real dip in Guy Ritchie's uh, output. Like, The Man from Uncle was amazing, even though nobody saw it. Agreed. I logically should be really excited for this, but I just don't care for whatever reason. Yeah. I agree with everything both of you are saying, but I still totally do want to see this. Just because it's Guy Ritchie doing the most un-Guy Ritchie plot in the most Guy Ritchie way. <laughs> I think I might have to check it out just because Guy Ritchie's done enough good stuff by now, he should have good goodwill. Like, I'll just give this shot. I'm not expecting much, but it can't hurt to watch. I just want to see what, like, him doing those kind of action scenes would look like. I'm, I'm, I'm just really hoping, too, that the marketing for this movie is trying to portray it as maybe a little bit more dour than it really ends up being. When I think of a Guy Ritchie movie, I normally think there's a lot of fun and kind of kinetic energy going on, and I'm kind of getting the energy part from the trailers, but not necessarily the fun part of it. I know that first trailer made it seem like just a normal, fun Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah, uh, they got away from that as they went along, though. I know, it's Warner Brothers marketing for you. I've yeah. seen a lot of people, like, shit on the movie for how dour it looks, and comparing it to Excalibur, which, I'm sorry, no. <laughs> Nothing is Excalibur. <laughs> I mean, not uh, not Excalibur, but uh, King Arthur, the uh, Yoan Gruppet one from, like, Ten years ago. God, I forgot that movie exists. It's like, oh, God, nothing is that fucking dour and joyless and not needing to exist. This movie still has magic in it. 
which I think is lost on a lot of people. Like it at least has that. And Hunnam. Oh, all that white. Never have I felt that a role was more appropriate for Charlie Hunnam. Does he play an actual, like, block of wood? He plays a King Arthur who doesn't realize he's royalty. Which, can you find a more perfect role for Charlie Hunnam? <laughs> it's either that or Swamp Thing. Like, Thank seriously, it. think about it. Charlie Hunnam as Swamp Thing. That actually would be pretty perfect. Yup. I get frustrated with that guy because he's got enough charisma where it's like, oh, he's enjoyable as a person, but I, I never really love his movie roles all that much. I've seen Hunnam be good in things. It's just he's very selective. He's And he has that weird thing where it sounds like he's dubbed in every single role. There's something weird about his delivery where it's like it doesn't match him. I always got that feeling just from the like commercials that I would see for Sons of Anarchy. And those were, like, 15 seconds long each. God, remember... To be realistic, he should have only spoken motorcycle for all of those episodes, and I'm very frustrated he was talking human. Remember when Sons of Anarchy first premiered and all those people wanted him to be Green Arrow? Oh, yeah. He would certainly have the right goatee. Just because he was blonde and had a goatee. Well, he's blonde and goatee in very good shape. Yeah, he's, he's got a look down. Meanwhile, we all know that it needs to be Pierce Brosnan or just don't make the movie. Exactly. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan as old, pissed-off, one-armed Ollie. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I well, hold sure, silver. I'm sure would be the Green Arrow of the DC <laughs> movie. Most likely. After Batman lasers his arm off. <laughs> uh, fun times ahead. Speaking of fun times ahead, May 19th, Alien Covenant. I'm so excited. Cody's not, but I'm so excited. That's very true. Like, I want to be excited, but I I just am not for some reason. And all of us, if people at home, if you are one of our true devotees, you know how much we love Prometheus. We fucking love Prometheus. Oh, yeah. I like Ridley Scott quite a bit bit as a director. Like, I I should be all on board. Quite a bitchin'. (laughs) Quite a bitchin' much. (laughs) And yet, for some reason, I'm just not totally on board Covenant. I don't, I don't know why. We discussed this in our Rogue One episode. <laughs> yeah. For some reason. I think I'm excited because at this point, I've gotten over the fact we're not getting a Prometheus sequel. We're getting the movie that comes after the Prometheus sequel, but we're not really getting a Prometheus sequel. So I'm okay with Scott just doing an, an Alien prequel at this point. Yeah. That has Prometheus elements in it. I'm, just I'm, kind a, of little, I'm a little mixed on that, where... I'm really excited for Covenant, and I have faith that it'll deliver, but, and I'm also, I, I'm, I've accepted that there's never going to be a real Prometheus follow-up. I think what gives me a little bit of apprehension is just the fear that this was more an obligation movie than anything else. Like, maybe this is Scott seeing the uh, reaction to Prometheus and just going, fine, here's the alien prequel you all wanted without the heart being in it. That kind of ties into my feeling on it, which is... Now, I'll, I'll just preface this by saying, again, I was the one person who didn't really care for Prometheus that much. Ooh, get out! Please. I am a massive fan of the first Alien, though. I am I am a huge fan of that movie. I, I love the idea of Ridley Scott coming back to the franchise and doing a flat-out Alien movie. Then I watched the trailer, and I was kind of left... A little disappointed, because to be honest, it looked like it hit all of the same 
notes as the first movie in a really weird, unridley Scott way. Like, it, it looked kind of honestly like, to me, that it was someone else doing an Alien remake, but it was Ridley Scott doing it. Like, for me, like, there's the whole scene where they find the egg, there's the scene where the, the freaking, uh, chestburster latches on, or not the chestburster, but the alien latches onto the dude, there's the person who's essentially, like, I forget the actual actress's name, but she's essentially being cast as a Ripley, not prototype, but like an, a, a character who resembles that character in a lot of traits, and it's, like, it's a team of scientists going in on the, like, a lot of parallels that just kind of honestly left me kind of flat with that trailer. I, like, my thing is, I'm still perfectly fine with just getting a more straightforward alien prequel, and I'm just happy to see another alien movie that's well made, because it's, a, it's about time. Like, my only apprehension is just, if if Scott's heart is going to be in it, and kind of echoing what, what MB was saying, that I worry that I'm going to see it and it's just going to be Ridley Scott does some alien scenes with no uh, no real spirit to it. I don't know. I, I, I feel from everything he said, his heart's his heart's in it. I mean, he was pretty blatant with the fact that the only way I can get this movie made is if I call it Alien. And he flat out said that. This was an interesting spot anyways, because this movie existing essentially canceled out the Alien 5, so I don't know if Scott was trying to do this to protect his thing. Like, if anyone's going to make a classic Alien movie, it's going to be me, goddammit. <laughs> I'll or kill all of you. <laughs> Every single person. That mentioned been on a grenade in the middle of a meeting. I don't think Scott meant to sabotage Alien 5 in well, any Scott way. Scott was producing Alien 5 as well. I yeah, he was he on board. Yeah, so I, I think it was just kind of a bad coincidence where... Scott was developing this idea while Blomkamp was really getting hyped up and getting excited for his idea. Scott had more clout to go ahead with his version than Blomkamp, considering that Chappie didn't do well, whereas Scott just came off the Martian. I do think a big a big thing that killed Alien 5 is Scott decided to make a trilogy coming out of Alien Covenant. Like He's, he's already said that. Alien Covenant creates a new trilogy. That wasn't originally the idea, and so Alien 5 could have still come after Covenant. But now they're more interested in this new thing instead of going backwards. Because let's face it, the studio doesn't want to have a bunch of old people running around a film, unfortunately. It is funny to think that the Alien universe of all franchises is this fucking complicated. (laughs) I get so frustrated because the (laughs) <laughs> the alien world seems like it's so vast, like there's so many things you can do with it, but because it's called Alien, it always has to be about the Xenomorph. You can't focus on, like, the galactic wide evil business that rules everything. You can't focus on other alien uh, people that are traveling through space, like, for hey, hey, decades my, at a time. The caveat to that is, technically, Blade Runner exists in the same universe, so mm-hmm. Blade Runner 2049 is can be considered a follow-up to that. <laughs> Such a bummer. There's so much they can do with this world, but they're hamstrung by calling it Alien. So it's like, oh, here's the Xenomorph again. Well, the one time they did try to stray, everyone got mad, so... True, man. Stupid people. I didn't mean it. Come back to the show. <laughs> follow us on Twitter. Unless you're Speaking... a Nazi. Yeah, fuck you. 
Uh, or a neo-Nazi. Also, fuck you. Can we pause to just say that uh, the other day we were followed by a hardcore alt-writer on Twitter, and we've just been laughing our asses off for days on that. Because I just imagine him just whistling to himself as he loads up the podcast on Twitter, on Stitcher, and listens to the first few minutes of the Rogue One commentary. Just the smile slowly fades from his face. Is replaced by the word cucks over and over. Anyone who says that word in, like, regular conversation, like, oof. How do you make it through your days without just jumping off a bridge? <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. I still want the uh, sum total of the men in America who have cuckolding fetishes to, like, make a video where they denounce the alt-right and their appropriation of cuckolding. They have to be so mad. Like, come on, guys. We were just having fun with our sexual fetish. Leave us out of this. <laughs> well, Cody's into. <laughs> no, not that. Other <laughs> if you'd like things. to... Sh- if you'd like to share your wife with Cody Alves, hit him up. Care <laughs> of Frank Grillo. <laughs> oh, God. Now I'm going to be murdered by Frank Grillo. There's people tweeting at Frank Grillo. I heard this do him. This podcast wants to fuck your wife. It's going to be a new fetish, actually. Like, okay, so I fuck Frank Grillo's wife. And then he bursts in and murders me. And then people jack off to him doing that. That's their fetish. Frank Grillo murdering people who are having sex with his wife. No, not people, just you. Just me. It's, they just get, like, Cody's. masks of my face, and they put them on other dudes, so there's, like, fat guys doing it, skinny dudes doing it, really buff guys doing it, <laughs> black guys doing it. Like, they just have my face over top of theirs. What if that's, like, what his wife is into, though? She likes a dude to be inside of her while they're being well, killed sex. by her husband, Frank Grillo. Oh, there's <laughs> okay. more to what you're saying. Okay. I feel like the longer we talk about this, the more likely Frank Grillo is just going to kill all of us. <laughs> No, just Cody. Cody's the one doing all this to him. Cody's the one who's defaced, defamed him and said all kinds of terrible... I'm a huge fan of Frank Grillo. I like you, Frank. Frank Grillo, I have the utmost respect for your wife. <laughs> Something I cannot say about our entry for May 26th, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. What do you, what do you have against Amber Heard? You've lost me. What? She's Johnny Depp's ex-wife. It was a joke. I, I just want to leave you on the hook for that one as long as possible. <laughs> I'm not the only one making shit jokes now. Ha-ha! Welcome to my world! Stop celebrating, Cody. No. Look, okay, so the choices are we celebrate or we talk about Dead Men Tell No Tales. You pick. Diary of a Wimpy Kid. When does that come out? Before Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm oh, amazed yeah. that that's getting a theatrical release. I think we all are. I think it's really yes. poetic that Wimpy Kid and Pirates of the Caribbean come out within like a week of each other. The two franchises that are for nobody at this point, because everyone who enjoyed, who enjoyed those movies is no longer 12. I'm trying to look this up quick. The budget for Pirates 5, it's like astronomically high. I must be gigantic. Uh, $320 million for the budget for Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales. Jesus fucking Christ! I don't know how you make a profit out of that. You don't. Like, people I guess are angry at Johnny Depp right now, so that's he doesn't have the star power probably to sell it the same way. It's been a few oh. years since we've seen a Pirates movie, so maybe they're counting on people jumping back in for that. Uh, nobody likes Stranger Tides! <laughs> nobody remembers Stranger Tides exists, though. I think that's, that's what they're banking on. Maybe, yeah. Well, didn't the last one feature freaking, like, a mermaid subplot? Yes. Yeah, Stranger Tides is a hell of a thing. 
there's mermaids, there's uh, voodoo zombies, uh, Fountain of Eternal Life, Blackbeard. Blackbeard. Stranger Tides is almost good if you re-edited the movie. <laughs> like, you could make that into a good movie very easily, and different director. Now, we're very passionate on this show about not doing the douchey thing uh, that a lot of people do. Of Like, oh, man, I, I, I'm just so mad at this movie. I want it to fail. Like, I want this thing to be bad. I'm going to go on the record as saying, though, I really want Dead Men Tell No Tales to eat shit. Just because I, oh. I want it to send a message that you cannot shove a franchise down people's throats like that. I... I thought this was going to be a comment. I'm like, but I really just want to see Yaviar Bardem come back and do something cool. I was like, oh, As okay. do I. He does look delightful in that role. He could be a fun, spooky ghost pirate man. We don't know. I fully expect Dead Men Tell No Tales to bomb horrifically. Saying that, I would like, with the new blood they brought in creatively, for someone to do something with these movies. There's oh, so, I would love there's it so much to be promise. good above all else. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I just, there's so much promise in this franchise. Please give us something good. I mean, big budget swashbuckling pirate adventure movies? That's fantastic. I mean, we love, well, we love the first pirates a lot. And after that, it gets kind of iffy. Uh, I, am, I think I like three retroactively downgrades two. I liked two until I saw three. Three does kind of fuck two, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, but I like the idea and the scope of what they were going for. And four didn't quite have that as much. The stuff with Barbosa was fun. So, I yeah, they've got potential with them. And if they get it right, maybe with this new crew, they could. There's so much fun you could have with these movies. No one else really does Pirates of the Caribbean films. It has Orlando Bloom. Is Bloom coming back for this one? Yes. Oh, that could be good. The only th- time I've honestly ever been excited for Orlando Bloom to be in something. Yeah, if you take the focus off Johnny Depp, I think he works very good in this movie as a sporting character. As soon as it's all about Jack Sparrow, I know everyone says that complaint, but I think it holds true. It's true. He's he's a main character who has to be played like a side character. It's it's the he has to be played off someone. Exactly. And they kind of tried. To, they still try to do that with Stranger Tides. Yeah, with all the Barbosa stuff. All the Barbosa, but Barbosa's also a side character who needs to play off of people. And right. They tried to do the Orlando Bloom stand-in, that was bland and terrible. Oh, God. That guy, you could have cut him out of the movie entirely and it wouldn't have mattered. Oh, all the mermaid stuff could have been cut out. Oh, entirely. They tried to work all this other shit in, the Penelope Cruz character just fell flat. The most wasted Ian McShane of all time. Oh, I'm so angry about that. Why don't, no, I don't want to. I don't want to quagmire us in talking about how shitty Stranger Tides was. Let's move on. <laughs> His review on Stranger Tides eight years later. Right? No, no. Now is not the time for this. Never is the time for that. I will say to clarify what I said earlier a little bit. I my frustration just comes with a very recent trend I've seen with certain franchises. Like we see this with the Divergent series. We've seen it in video games with Watch Dogs. Just a studio or a company saying look we have money out the ass so we're just going to keep making these things over and over and over and we don't care if you see them by sheer force of them existing you will like them and the hubris of that really irritates me especially when it's just diverting it's diverting funds from more interesting shit that people would actually go see because it's just done out of ego disney is putting movie into money into pirates of the caribbean and not tron 3 God damn it. Exactly. Don't even mention Tron 3 to me. It makes me sad. God damn it, Tomorrowland. We were so close to Tron 3. God. 
just this close to filming. <sighs> this close. Uh, people hold- at home, you can't see how close he's holding his fingers, but they're practically touching. Oh, it's like the size of my dick. Ooh, small dick jokes are the best dick jokes. Damn right. But going from this to something much more positive, we have a franchise that not just the people of our generation, but of generations before have longed to see represented on the big screen. And I'm glad that 2017 will finally bring this dream to light. Baywatch. And I'm talking about Baywatch. Damn it! Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to undercut your joke. I thought you were going with Wonder Woman. <laughs> Shit. The timing was ruined by Hoobers. <laughs> Does anybody have anything to say about Baywatch other than, ha that exists? It has Alexander Daddario, and that's pretty cool. I'm confused yeah, that by is, its existence. That is, Alexander Daddario being in that is pretty cool. I watched the trailer to that, and I have never been more inexplicably confused as to what tone a movie is going for in my life. Well, the movie seems to have been made as an elaborate joke, but the movie doesn't seem in on that joke. I will say, in defense me. of the I don't, movie, no, I, I, I have no clue what it's doing. Whatever it's doing, I'm not, it's not working. I will say, what? like it, it, the trailer, yeah, not nothing exciting there. But Dwayne Johnson's in every single movie out there. Like even in cameos, if you're not paying attention, he's in the background of every single one of them for a reason. <laughs> the guy's a lot of fun to watch, and All Zac right. Efron is actually really entertaining in the stuff he's in too. Like both neighbor yeah, movies like are fantastic. So I think the two of them teaming up for a movie could be really funny. Uh, also, Seth Gordon's directing this. He's I haven't liked a lot of his newer movies, but he also did King of Kong, which is amazing. So I, I he gets a lot of benefit of the doubt just because of that. So I feel like he can work with funky, cool characters. And I'm just kind of fascinated by the fact that this, again, seems to have been made in the spirit of, like, 21 Jump Street, where the joke of the movie is that... It's a movie based on a TV show that shouldn't be a movie, but it doesn't. What, it, nobody, nobody seems to have told the people in the movie that. I I don't understand. I don't understand what they. I guess they think if they just throw a rock in it, it'll do fine, which is probably true. A rock is the fuck. He's a fucking industry at this point. Yeah, I just oh I don't so much know rock. the thought process of Baywatch, but it's the rock is so big now. We don't even have to call him the rock. You can go Dwayne Johnson. People understand. Remember at the start of his career where if you said Dwayne Johnson, like, who? You had to mention The Rock for them to get it? I will always refer to him by his superhero name. <laughs> Speaking of superheroes, segue. June 2nd, Wonder Woman. The movie that I swear, if it isn't good, I may stop watching movies. <laughs> I a just, lot of pressure. I'm not, I'm not saying it has to be great. I'm not saying it has to be amazing. I want it to be watch i want it to be a film <laughs> i want it to actually be a film just let it be a film that is kind of the hilarious thing about the dc movies so far is that wonder woman will count as a great movie if it is a on film b has a score c has a beginning middle and end that's if you give feeds if you give us ant-man i will be so fucking <laughs> I don't care if it's a mess as long as it's just a decent package. I want, like, I, I started off really wanting t- this to be, like, separate from the DCEU, which I have completely given up now, especially with the announcement that Chris Terrio is writing the 
freaking Batman. Ah. Ah, <laughs> Batman and- with a fucking Tommy gun reenacting the last scene of Scarface. Oh, I, I can't wait for Batman to be really pretentious while fighting Deathstroke. Welcome but to the darkest timeline. Beyond, beyond that, beyond the freaking mess of what surrounds her, Wonder Woman has the most potential to be a film that stands alone by itself because A, it's a period piece. B, it's telling an origin story that is unique in terms of we haven't seen it before on film. We haven't really seen a story like this on film. It tells a very interesting perspective, not only just for a female character, but for a character that is iconic, just having never gotten her due. So it has all of these things that are automatically going for it. And I just want Wonder Woman to succeed for every possible reason you should want something to succeed. Gal Gadot deserves this because she did a great job in a really bad movie. Like, Patty Jenkins deserves this because she's been, like, her career really hasn't gone that well since, like, Monster was over, like, nearly two decades ago at this point. So Wonder Woman just needs to be a success for all parties involved, including the audience. And if it's not, Oh, God. Like, that's pretty much the death knell of the not not just this DC universe, but just DC as a viable film option. MB, I don't want to disturb you, but uh, you looked around and noticed the universe you're living in. I have very low expectations for Wonder Woman. Although I I don't think it'll kill the DC uh, film universe. I think they're... We're getting DC films regardless. They'll be forced out. Right. They'll just keep pumping them out. They'll stop at a certain point, like after one of the Justice Leagues. But we're still going to get Aquaman for sure. They'll keep fucking around with the Flash until they realize the other movies were failures and then stop it. Oh, there. I know the I know the DC films are going to be made. I just don't have to acknowledge their existence. Oh, okay. Ever. Well, it's funny. Aquaman, even more so than Wonder Woman. Aquaman is the one film I'm expecting to be good. Yeah. Just yeah. because through sheer force of Juan. He's got a good working one. relationship with. Warner Brothers too, so I'd imagine he should be able to pull it off. He has all the keys to the castle. He has the keys to the castle. Exactly, yeah. And that's part of the reason I'm still holding out hope for Wonder Woman, because Aquaman and Wonder Woman are the two films we've seen coming up that are as out of the DC bubble as they can be. Because, you know, Man of Steel, Dawn of Justice, Suicide Squad, that, that was peak bubble WB. But I feel like there's a little bit of distance with Wonder Woman and a lot of distance with Aquaman. So there's a little bit of hope that the aesthetic that fucked those three movies might be contained. I don't think there's any hope for Justice League. but No, there's no hope for Justice League. You you and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. And I agree. I don't think it's going to have any of the aesthetic of of those movies, thankfully. It and it looks like it's gonna have a very different aesthetic. It it looks Wonder Woman looks great. It looks like a Marvel movie. It does. A lot a lot of the slow-mo gives me pause, but whatever. Stylistic. But as we talked about a couple weeks ago, everything seems like it would be good on paper. Other than Zack Snyder writing the treatment for it. Mm-hmm. But Johns did do a pass. Is it was made at a really weird time. It's coming out after Dawn of Justice, but it was made before that came out. And we really don't know what Jenkins could really bring, so that's still kind of 50-50. And you brought up a really interesting point, which is, even with her performance in Dawn of Justice, we still don't really know if Godot would be good. 
Now, we've seen her be the best thing in Dawn of Justice. <laughs> in a character who, for most of that movie, was supposed to be pretend Catwoman. Like, being stern isn't that difficult, so... Which isn't a uh, any kind of insult to Godot herself, it's just, it's all still unproven. Yeah, so it's... No, no, if I'm going to get beat to death by Frank Grillo, you're going to get beat to death by Godot. That's how it works. Please! I would love that. Maybe that's my <laughs> fetish, Cody. Uh, who can blame you? Um, she's Wonder Woman. Have respect. Drop those legs. Or David Thewlis, who I know is in Wonder Woman. That would be fantastic. He fights uh-huh. for Godot's honor and then kills me as a werewolf. Um, <laughs> I'm all Ray Weiss, baby. Oh, look, 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 look. Not Ray Weiss, but uh, Danny Houston. <laughs> yes. Look, look. We're forgetting Chris <laughs> Pine is in this movie. Yeah. So if the movie's going to be anything, it's going to be pretty. Oh, God. Especially Houston. I do um, like the idea of Chris Pine being in the movie and being, like, you know, the flip of the expectation where he's 100% useless and the damsel in distress. Here's the here's the thing. I expect him to play Chris Pine in World War One. I. I don't really want to pay attention to the fact that he's going to be called Steve Trevor because <laughs> Steve Trevor can go to hell. Listen to our episode of graphic novelism. Cross promotion! Gone, but not gone. Where we go into the most useless characters in comic book fiction, and Steve Trevor, right there at the top. Well, they're using Steve Trevor exactly how Steve Trevor should be used, which is, he's an origin character, and then he goes away. Watch Chris Pine play the greatest Steve (laughs) Trevor of all time. Here's the movie version to be that. Here's the thing. I want Wonder Woman to end with Steve Trevor being violently gunned down. That's all I want. (laughs) Just violently. By Wonder Woman. No, but so hard hard time just blood everywhere. Dun, 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 dun. But going away from Tommy Guns and a dead Chris Pine, yeah, Wonder Woman gives me the most pause out of like any upcoming movie. Not just upcoming this year, but cu- upcoming that we know of. <laughs> because Wonder Woman is, for lack of a better phrase, too big to fail. Yeah. Like, if you... If you mess up Green Lantern like they did, okay, that's sad, but the world will move on. If you fuck up Batman and Superman, that's bad, but they're Batman and Superman. They can survive. If you pull a Snyder job on Wonder Woman, you have fucking damaged that character. There is one chance Wonder Woman unfortunately gets. Yeah, very true. Especially with a character that, unfortunately, a lot of people roll their eyes at and consider too hokey to even be around Batman and Superman. I think a lot of people are going to respond well to the idea of Wonder Woman. I mean, the merchandising lately has been fantastic. I've seen so many girls walking oh, around with Wonder Woman stuff. So I definitely think there's a fan base out there that's willing to receive and support this. It's just, it's the frustration of knowing if this movie is terrible and is worse ridiculous and damaging mm-hmm. in its portrayal that that's going to give so much license to eye-rolling and I-told-you-sos. Well, it's going to be even worse because this is like one of the few gigantic blockbuster movies directed by a woman, so if Patty Jenkins makes a bad Wonder Woman movie, all of a sudden you're going to have all the people saying, oh, well, maybe we don't need women directing films anymore. Pretty much. Well, that and just female-fronted movies. I mean, part of the reason we haven't gotten any super heroine movies since Catwoman and Elektra is because when those bombed, producers just 
washed their hands and said, oh, well, nerds don't want to see girls in these movies. One thing that was really bothering me is I put together the list of movies that were coming out. To go back to Pirates for just a second, the guys <laughs> the guys who are directing Pirates, uh, I don't know if they've directed another movie before Pirates. They've done some shorts and stuff. They did. What movie did they make? I, I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I remember uh, it being talked about when they were hired. So, like, these guys got handed a $300 million movie, and they're kind of like, ah, they have... Let's see, I'm on IMDb right now trying to look for their movies. They did Marco Polo, the TV series, two episodes. Hey. Uh, uh, Max Manus, Man of War. <laughs> That's what I call my dick. Well, they could have a franchise after that. Uh, and Contiki. Contiki. Yeah, Contiki was what I was thinking of. Which I don't know what that is. Uh, that was a big uh, award movie a couple years ago. Yeah. But just the idea that these guys who are very inexperienced in Hollywood were handed a $320 million picture and everyone just kind of shrugs that off, whereas it doesn't seem to happen very often with female directors. Or at all. Or pretty much yeah. ever. That's something we've talked about before, the elimination of the middle movie, where you just see people like you know Josh Trank or Mark Webb or Gareth Edwards go from tiny indie stuff to making massive blockbuster movies with no room to cut their teeth in the middle. And a trend you'll notice overwhelmingly is that those are all dudes. Well, that's what I'm saying. You're like, okay, these guys have directed a handful of movies and stuff that maybe the common person has not talked about. Maybe not even anything that really applies itself to pirates. And they're getting a $300 million movie, whereas they could just as easily pick a female director who has had the same amount of success and put her on something big, but it doesn't happen. Well, uh, remember whenever they were uh, campaigning to be the new Deadpool 2 directors? (laughs) Uh, Jen and Sylvia Soska uh, released this big write-up about just how fucked up it is that not only can directors... Male directors be given franchises for virtually no reason just because they made a movie. You can fuck up a franchise and still be giving another bite the apple again and again and again. <laughs> and like, that's I came back around. He's Happy. doing good now. <laughs> Let's see what he does afterwards. <laughs> and and plus, that's not really the point. Like M Night made the last Airbender. And was still allowed to like he wasn't put in movie jail, despite the fact that. That would immediately put someone else who didn't have the cloud of M. Night in movie jail. I'm so it's, mad it's by little... the way that he destroyed Avatar. Like, we're not getting movies out of that ever again. So mad. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's it's kind of obvious, but yeah, it does warrant saying it's really fucked up how every single female director is every female director and has to hold that on her shoulders. Box so that's Hulk why recommends what... stop being a douchebag, Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, take that out, right? Yeah, that'll teach them. This podcast, the eight people are going to listen to. We've done it. We've fixed the world. So, so who's ready for Captain Underpants? I am. June 2nd, Captain Underpants. I loved the series as a kid. It's been many years. I don't even know if they're still making these books. I'm they very are. Curious. Oh, they are. Dave Pickley, Dave Pickley uh, releases like a book every three months. He's an industry. Holy shit. Wow. Is, is it, well, it must be popular if he's still going with it. I just assume they'd miss this, you know, the, 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 the wave here. It is like with the wimpy kid thing, a thing where I'm just thinking, isn't everybody who grew up with Captain Underpants like 28 now? Yeah, they've got to be closing in on 30. I'm not going to see this in theaters. That'd be really awkward. <laughs> Come on, kids. Why are you looking at me strange? I just want to see that man in his underwear. 
right? We so can all laugh together. I'm wearing a trench coat and my hands are in my pockets. Yeah, and Frank Grillo is beating me to death. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird thing. You're watching fetish. Captain Underpants. Frank Grillo just appears. Oh, no, not again. <laughs> Look, there are some I'm people with that fetish. Urge. And we shouldn't judge those people that get off on this. If that's what they're into. I will hate. never kink shame. It's me. It's just a niche market, so they got to get off on what they can get off on. Speaking of kink shaming, <laughs> June 9th, we have The Mummy. The Mummy. I am, for some reason, super excited for The Mummy. It, it feels like you really shouldn't, like this is a huge mistake, but yeah, count me in for The Mummy. Yeah. I will see The Mummy, but I just expect Universal to completely fuck up their new monster series. Dracula Untold was not a mark of confidence. Dracula Untold doesn't count, though. They, for a long time, wanted it to count, and yeah, then they Kurtz, found out they screwed up. But that was before they hired Kurtzman to oversee the whole thing. Kurtzman flat out said that Dracula Untold is not part of the series at all. Which is terrible, because now we're wasting Luke Evans. <laughs> well, to clarify, to clarify, somebody at a Q&A said, Is Dracula Untold part of this franchise? And he leaned into the mic and said, No. So this is super uncorrected to Dracula Untold and the thought process that led to that. And there is such a good creative team on The Mummy as well. Kurtzman directing, John Spades, Christopher McQuarrie. I'm personally more excited if they were to release The Mummy like they did that accidental IMAX trailer where like half the sounds were removed, all the music. <laughs> I just want any movie like that. It'd be hilarious. Just Tom Cruise screaming and his screams repeated for no apparent reason. <laughs> Here's the reason, though, I, I, there, to be excited for the mummy. It's Tom Cruise fighting supernatural creatures. Exactly. As Tom, a mummy himself. The greatest trailer reveal of all time. I couldn't outrun death. I was stuck in a plane. <laughs> and goddamn Russell Crowe as Dr. Jekyll. Exposition Dr. Jekyll. And you got Jayla as the mummy. In a design where she actually looks like a fucking mummy for once. It's everything we've ever wanted. She's just going to look like a mummy the entire time. Uh, everything Kurtzman has said about this film and like the greater universe has left me with a lot of confidence. Especially in terms of the movies connecting, which is, they're not going to force it. That, I, that does sound very encouraging. And I, I have liked a lot of the things I've read about it. They've said it's going to have more more horror aspects than you'd be surprised, than you would assume. I, I'm just very cynical about the monster movies. I just don't think Universal can handle making them the way they could. Well, sure. Universal I think, tends to give everyone pause, but yeah, I, I think honestly that's uh, it, like understandable though because modern day, well, modern day just movies about any of the Universal horror movies characters, like any of those monsters, you, you can't really cite anything that's been like really good for the last ever since. I would say even the 90s. Like, you, you can't really cite, like, that great Dracula movie that has come around, or that great Frankenstein movie, or the, like, even The Mummy, who has enjoyed a degree of success somehow under Stephen Summers with the first two. Yeah, like, no one wants to talk about three. Like, nobody, nobody knows threes exist, but... It is kind of weird to think that, technically, the... Last, I'm not even going to say the greatest, but the last watchable Dracula movie was Dracula Dead and Loving It. That's uh, really messed up. I don't know. I, I think uh, Dracula 2000 was pretty good. Dracula 2000 is okay. It's it's not 
it's not like I'm kidding. It's we, un- <laughs> look, look. <laughs> I loved uh, Dominic Purcell as Drake and Blade Trinity with his dildo. I was really happy because we were talking about Dracula then loving it. And then we moved on to things that made me sad. Fine, <laughs> talk about Dracula then loving it now. No, let's move on to things that make me sad. June 16th, Cars 3. <laughs> Actually, I'm not even sad about Cars 3. I'm just confused because I've never been a fan of the Cars franchise. And to me, a third one is just very confusing. I think everybody's confused. But the trailers make it seem very dark in comparison I to know, other Cars I know, that films. weirded me out. It's like Logan. <laughs> but, you know, with Cars racing... We're going to see the death of Lightning McQueen. <laughs> that would be really ballsy if they went that route. Like, Lightning McQueen is permanently handicapped throughout the movie. <laughs> he can't drive. He's got to teach a younger kid to drive. It's basically Creed for cars, which I might watch. Listen, um, Pixar needs to replenish their budget money. Toy Story 5 is not going to make itself. <laughs> that is weird, because I'm very bitter about sequels, but I'm perfectly fine with the Toy Story, another Toy Story. I, I I don't know. I don't know what else they could possibly say with Toy Story. After. They always find new, interesting things to do with the toys. Even the Toy Story shorts are all fantastic. I just felt like that story was sort of wrapped up as far as an actual feature film goes. I think if you're trying to give them big, meaningful arcs, maybe. If you treat them more kind of like as pulp characters where they're just having an adventure and you use it as an opportunity to load it with comedy, sure. it might feel like a lesser film, but it's going to be a blast to watch. And that, that thinking did give us Toy Story 2, which is just fine. Toy Story 2 is okay. Toy Story 2 is there. Toy Story 2 was made and is a thing. I love the sliding scale. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's perfectly acceptable. It's okay. It's. Yeah. I'm getting us out of here next. <laughs> June 23rd. Transform. Oh, goddammit. It's such a. <laughs> Transformers. Um, the last the Unicron. Anthony Hopkins. Nice. I'm going to be honest. I stopped watching Transformer movies after two. Two was enough to make me just swear off the franchise. I'm, I'm, it, these movies hurt my heart. True. Let's move on. Despicable Me 3, goddammit. <laughs> I will say, I only have one comment on Despicable Me 3, and that is that I am genuinely outraged that they missed the opportunity to call it Despicable 3. Right? What were they thinking? Or at least make the E in me a 3? If this were 2000, that's how they would have done it. What a failure. All right, whatever. Fuck June. June is not a great-looking month. But July 7th, Spider-Man Homecoming is coming out. And we're that, sk- we're I skipping am... over Amityville The Awakening? Yes. <laughs> well, to be fair, it skipped its release date like several times, so it's appropriate. <laughs> it probably won't even come out. Don't forget to put it in theaters. It's like Rings. Like I'm amazed that's coming out this weekend. I'll go to the theaters and it won't Holy even be shit, there. Holy shit, that just came out of nowhere. Didn't that's coming out this weekend? Yeah, yeah, it comes out Friday. It comes out tomorrow, but we're, we're ignoring that. June has some really crappy-looking stuff, but we've got, we're have got we in a high area now, because July 7th, Spider-Man Homecoming, which I am incredibly excited for. Oh, most... I, I'm not looking forward to anything as hard as I'm looking forward to Spider-Man Homecoming, which is weird, because we're, like, on our seventh Spider-Man appearance at this point, <laughs> and it shouldn't yeah. still have that effect, but this feels like the first real one that counts in, like, ten years. Pretty much. Well, Spider-Man I mean, in a high school doing high school stuff? Like, that's exciting. That's a new approach. Besides like Spider-Man. Spider-Man Amazing one. Spider-Man did not count. Those movies didn't happen. No, that's that's why it's never... I've forgotten already. No, fuck it. It was high, high school. school. Yeah. I, I've already forgotten all the details I from Amazing Spider-Man. I graduated at the beginning of two. Yeah, you, you did. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, Spider-Man 1 with uh, Raimi, I mean, that was in high school as well. 
only for part him. of it. Part of it, yeah. So I have a, just just throw my yeah just just <laughs> throw my point out the window. It did not make sense. But we're still excited for Homecoming. Keaton as the Vulture. We're finally getting the Vulture, which is one really exciting. It's no Malkovich, but Keaton. That's a great consolation prize. Captain Cold Vulture. Huh. Michael Keaton is a considerable step up from Malkovich because it's Michael Keaton menacing Spider-Man. You, you the jokes write them themselves. <laughs> it's him once again taking to the skies as a Birdman. Which must have given Keaton a lot of pause after the uh, Birdman Oscar season. I feel like he, it's a, wasn't he kind of on and off the project for a while, so I feel like maybe he was, oh, yeah, he was. or maybe it was money. I don't know. Uh, he's talked about it on and off about like why he was gone. And but uh, like you have Keaton as the vulture, you have Tom Holland just fresh off his insanely appealing turn in Captain America: Civil War, just coming in and. Based on the trailers, really crushing like all the little cool aspects of Peter Parker's character that we haven't really seen delved into on film. Like he nails the quips, but he also nails the heart. Which, like, I love Andrew Garfield as an actor, but he never got to play Peter Parker in the no. web movies. He got to play Spider Man just fine. He was great as being Spider Man, but he wasn't written as Peter. This looks like it's actually going to deal with a Peter Parker who also is Spider Man, which was also the common criticism of the Maguire films. So it's like everything is finally coming together for both sides of what really make the integral whole of that character. Cause you, you can't just have one and then just completely lapse the other. That just, that leads to chaos. And it leads to electrons. <laughs> and the spider universe is so big. I would love if this were a huge success and they were allowed to explore it more. Just imagine, oh, yeah. just imagine a weird universe where Homecoming is so goddamn popular, Sony rushes out every goddamn Spider project they can, and we end up with the su superior foes of Spider-Man as a movie. Well, what's I'm good still is, waiting for Venom Carnage. Hey, what's good is that Sony might not be a thing soon, so Spider-Man could completely fold and come into Marvel, and Marvel could just do whatever they want. There's so many things they could do. So yeah, high hopes, incredibly high hopes for Spider-Man. I don't even know what else to say and then, besides and that. And not only, not only that, but just to touch on it a little bit more, like, this, this film is being directed by John Watts, who I have not seen a film that he's made, but I've incredibly, incredibly high hopes for watching Cop Car and Clown, which I've heard nothing but great things about. I, and, oh, I forgot he directed Cop Car. That was really yeah. enjoyable. Uh, Clown had a great premise, and I felt he could have pushed it a lot further. I thought Clown was fantastic. Oh, yeah, it I, was I fun, but I wish he'd eat more children on camera. Oh, I do agree <laughs> with that. I, I could have done more with Monster Clown. But even more to the point that, like, everything that he says about Spider-Man just behind the scenes, like his approach to the character, his approach to the story, like the very John Hughes, like, aspect to it, everything is just really encouraging because it's not trying, like, unlike the web movies, it isn't trying to be pretentious and dark about Spider-Man. It's not trying to be Christopher Nolan presents Spider-Man, which Webb was clearly trying to do with the first one. What completely bonkers with the second one, and I don't even know what the third one would have been. So Homecoming just totally, it seems to get Spider-Man right. Character-wise, it seems to get Spider-Man right. Like the Vulture is going to be a terrifying villain, surprisingly, because have you seen that design? It's weird. It's really Spiky weird. Metal in a, toes. In an awesome way. So, 
honestly, like, if it's not good, I'll be surprised. Because Spider-Man just, not that Spider-Man is a guaranteed success. I mean, one movie, Spider-Man 3. But this looks to be the one that's finally saying, okay, we're going to get back to actually telling a story about this character, and we're going to do it right. So I'm very, I'm very happy that he's finally getting the, like, due diligence that he has since 2, honestly. And Spider-Man's going to hang out with people. Yeah, that's the thing I'm most excited for, is he's going to have a supporting cast. Spider-Man will talk to girls who aren't Mary Jane and Aunt May. <laughs> and we're Aunt get... May is at the high school. Hello, fellow children. <laughs> hey, Marissa Tomei. I can believe it. One thing I just have to get off my chest, and I've been living with this shame for years. In one of our episodes, I talked about how I thought The Amazing Spider-Man was okay, but I was really excited for the potential of the sequel, and I was so wrong. We, just, we we all thought that, and we were all proven very, very wrong. I just want to apologize to everyone who listened to that episode and has been mad at me for years for leading them in the wrong direction. I didn't yeah, know any better. You, Cody. It was my fault. So, like, eight years ago? That was a while back. You got Frank Grillo's hopes up so high. That's, and now that's he has to kick your ass. We're beyond that. He's going to murder me. My head's going to be on a stick in his backyard. But his wife will enjoy it so hard. What the head? July 14th, War for the Planet of the Apes. I'm so excited. Okay. Goddamn ape movies, man, right? I just want to say, I have not seen, I've yet to see, I will eventually see the first two movies in this trilogy, but I was sold on the premise of this movie alone when I saw in the trailer Woody Harrelson in a post-apocalyptic world shaving his head, declaring that he is going to war with those damn dirty apes. <laughs> I, I As Harrelson eventually will do, I'm sure. <laughs> I was kind of dragged into this series. Like, I just had no anticipation for the other movies. And that was a huge mistake. These movies are so enjoyable and well-made. I, I oh, this is the not... most underrated franchise operating right now. Matt Reeves goes in there, and he, he fucking swings for the fences. It's amazing. Even some of the stuff, that, like, it's pretty bold stuff. In in the second ape movie in this reboot series, it opens with, what, like, 12 minutes of nothing but apes, like, communicating through sign language? God damn. So the ape series has always been kind of cuckoo and willing to go to some weird places. And really, I don't think any of them disappoint all that badly. Maybe, maybe the third original ape movie. But overall, I love this franchise. And, yeah... I'm ready for apes. More apes. It's the most... Like, this current franchise is so under the radar. Like, they do big when they come out. I mean, everybody loved Rise when it first came out. But no one really talks about this as a franchise that currently exists until one the day that one comes out. Then it's, holy shit, there's an ape movie out, and it's fantastic. And it's movies that have no right to be as fucking classy as they currently are. Yeah, that should just be garbage. Yeah, like, like schlock, like, oh, it's a gorilla fighting men. No, they have so much going on inside of them. Exactly. The humanity. And without <laughs> shying away from the fact they're about fucking talking apes, which is so impressive. The pathos of Caesar. And the cast have been really good. Excellent cast. Gary Oldman was the villain of the last one. Yeah, like the people joining on to these movies must have read the script and went, God damn, okay. Sure, yeah, okay, you got me. So yeah, three, I'm assuming if the quality of the first two is anything to go by, is going to be a delight, and I am going to be there day one for War of the Planet of the Apes. Although I think the Planet of the Apes movies have always had a problem with titles. They're so goddamn mouthy. They're very mouthy. One of these days I'll get over it, but it's not today. I keep 
want to talk tell the uh, call the second one Battle Four for some reason. That's that's another. <laughs> yeah, already used. I, to me, it bothers me because I feel like Dawn should have been the first one, feels- and they just repeated Rise. I don't like Rise of the Planet of the Apes is like my least favorite title of any of the ape movies, but. Well, that's because, like, the title kept changing. It was supposed to just be called Caesar. Yeah. Then it was supposed to be called Rise, and the very last minute they decided to make it Rise of the Planet of the Apes. <sighs> well, I mean, I understand you got to brand it, but just calling it Rise was dumb, too. It was. They're, they didn't know what to do with that. Why not just call it Rise of the Apes? Right? Yeah, they could have gotten rid of yeah. so much. I agree with that 100%, and I've been saying it for years. I'm glad someone else is on my side. Why don't you go back in time, Cody, and fix that? That's the next thing. Once we get the time machine back up, when we stop t- telling people about 2017. Oh god, you just end up in the end of the Tim Burton remake. Oh god, this sucks more than I could have imagined. That actually really is good. That's honestly the most Cody thing that could possibly happen is the ending of Tim Burton. <laughs> <laughs> he what was Lincoln the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I that, that is. I see from chimpan. You knew it was coming. Chimpanzee to chimpanzee. <laughs> By the way, that is my official interpretation of the end of Burton's Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Earth was always ruled by apes. Mark Wahlberg was just really, really dumb and never noticed. So he was Mark Wahlberg. It's a I'm Transformer. A little, anyway. I'm a little disappointed because I had a good segue into the next movie I wanted to talk about, and now we passed it. So let's all pretend we're talking about how wordy the Planet of the Ape movies are. Okay. Man, they're so wordy. They're so wordy, just like July 21st entry, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Because I'm excited for that film, but goddamn, they could have gotten rid of about half that title. <laughs> I I love its big mouthful title, which is less of a mouthful than the names of the comic book stories. Well, true. I feel like it's just going to scare away any audience, like in America. Uh, the, trip, the trick is to do what they did with Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Make the first word, or a couple of words, gigantic, and then bury the rest of the words underneath. It's true. Everyone just calls that Fantastic Beast now. It makes sense. That gets away from the important stuff. I don't think we need to worry about just the title. This looks like a hell of a trip. I'm excited. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, Space Basson once again. Oh, such a good Basson. Everybody in their molded boob armor. (laughs) Jane <laughs> DeHaan just doing video game things with his gun that makes platforms. <laughs> I love the scope I, of this thing. Like, I imagine the budget could not have been $300 million or anything, but it looks big. It looks gigantic. It does. Like, yeah, what, and it looks so beautiful. Like, one thing that kind of got up my ass uh, recently is I've seen a lot of people like uh, making shitty comments that, uh, it just looks like Jupiter Ascending. It's like, no, 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 my friend. Jupiter Ascending was trying to look like the fifth element. <laughs> so no one can be son except be son. I Let's hope not it's... talk about that. Let's talk about how fantastic, well, either Valerian hopefully will be or Fifth Element, because both of those movies... Whew. I hope it's as ridiculous as the fifth element, too. <laughs> like, just mentally ill. <laughs> the Fifth Element's one of those movies I can watch a hundred times and still probably find new things to be entertained by. Well, that's what I love about films like The Fifth Element. I love any movie that is so beautiful and well-made that it can scoot by just being bugfuck crazy. But it's so busy, yeah, and the like, structure's so weird, too, because, like, the bad guy doesn't even meet up with Bruce Willis. Like, do they even see each other at all in the movie? 
I don't think so. The Fifth Element has one of the weirdest scripts ever made for a major movie. <laughs> and it works so well. Like, there's no reason why that should gel. But it does. Like, it's amazing. I love it. Like, the Fifth Element arguably has a terrible script, but that is the perfect script for The Fifth Element. <laughs> that movie is a goddamn masterpiece. And I'm hoping we, that's the basson we're getting with Valerian. Just, I'm just going to animate my daydreams, and you're all going to sit there and be awed. I'd be so happy if that were the case. I'd be over the moon. Also happy to see uh, Dehan in a movie that isn't Amazing Spider-Man 2. I think we're all glad to see that he he's still alive, and appropriately in a movie that also has Clive Owen, so we know they're both still alive. <laughs> <laughs> and next uh, up, uh, speaking of... Drum roll. Uh, Speaking of return to, returns to form from uh, legendary directors, we have Dunkirk. Dunkirk. God. Dunkirk. God, I'm hoping that this brings back the old Christopher Nolan, because... Uh, yeah. I It's like a good fit for him. Like, there's hopefully not areas for him to expand upon the idea of love and science going together. <laughs> that's... Okay, that's what's got me excited for Dunkirk, is Nolan would have to find... So, like he would have to try so hard to make this World War II movie pretentious. And really, Nolan's even his failures are at least ambitious enough to be well worth watching. I, I've never like regretted sitting in the theater and watching one of his films. I maybe been mad about it, but I'm still like, well, I did get to see like a thousand guys in cop uniforms fighting random Bane terrorists. <laughs> we got to see Bane's performance, so that alone was worth writing. Exactly right. So. Like, even though I don't like Interstellar or Dark Knight Rises, I'm very excited for Dunkirk. And the tr- teasers they've come out with have just looked phenomenal. So, and, and to the point of Nolan, like, honestly, I've seen every single film he's made except for Interstellar because I, I just, I don't have the heart. But <laughs> I've seen every single film he's made. That's, that's rare for me with the director. So I have kind of a personal connection with his filmography because honestly, he's made so little that I was able to just get through it very quickly at a point in my life. And I, Nolan, his strengths as a director come when he has the most simple concept imaginable and just runs with that. Whenever you have something that is overly complicated, like Rises or Interstellar's plot, that's where you completely lose every single ounce of his strength as a storyteller, as a director, as someone who drives performances. Everything that makes his films fantastic go away if you overload the plot, and that's been proven twice in a row. So Dunkirk, just being a war film, has every single, like, it has all the reason in the world to be Nolan's return to form, so if it isn't, I'm going to be really disappointed and really heartbroken because that's basically going to be a sign that he may not come back from what's come, what the last two films were. Yeah, that, there's a lot riding on Dunkirk as far as Nolan's future career goes because if I mean everyone was expecting Interstellar to be amazing, like oh, it just dark rises was a thing that happened, but I, I'm sure Nolan will get over whatever the fuck he did on that movie. <laughs> Well, Rises just felt like a studio like obligation that he had to fulfill, and he didn't really want to make a third Batman movie, but he had to, so that's what he made. So whenever he was allowed to go back to something that he actually seemed to want to make, you you were excited, you were pumped, because it was like, okay, he's finally back on track, he doesn't have to worry about a franchise 
And then, well, that's... Well, Rises is Nolan not having his heart in a project and just deciding to do things to entertain himself. And then Interstellar is kind of the opposite. It's just Nolan getting lost in a project and not coming back up for air. Rises and Interstellar have remarkably similar problems despite being completely different types of films. And that's Nolan, as MB said, overcomplicating everything in that feeds into Nolan's weird tics as a filmmaker, as yeah. we discussed previously. And when Nolan feeds into those weird tics, when he overcomplicates things, it crushes the film. It completely crushes the film. Which is some of his greatest works. I mean, the plot of Inception is dreams. Plot of Batman Begins is just Batman. (laughs) Prestige, some magic bullshit. Like the plot of The Dark Knight, chaos. Like, even the plot of The Dark Knight Rises, bang, and that's very complicated. Well, what was, what was the fucking, I forget, what was the book he was using as inspiration for Rises? Tale of Two Cities. That's it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, as soon as he decided to do that, that's where he started to go wrong. Because no one has, we've discussed this on the Inception commentary, he has tendencies that are problems. Like weird Nolanisms, like we've joked that Nolan doesn't quite understand some things that exist in the world. I assume because he's so British. But, it's because he's his consciousness is connected to that vest. It's true. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be amazing if we see Dunkirk and, like, none of the weapons work properly? Like, Nolan doesn't know what World War II is. <laughs> They're fighting the Swedish. <laughs> Nolan really doesn't know how guns work. It's kind of hilarious. But it's like, when he starts to overcomplicate, it's a weird thing to say with Nolan. Nolan gets people, but when it comes to portraying emotions or emotional ideas, they're really fucking blunt and unsubtle so that's when you get things like interstellar and rises where people are having he's pushing for these huge like ideas and these huge emotional arcs and it's the most blatant nothing you've ever seen which was honestly even a problem that you could see kind of seeping into his earlier films which are amazing like yeah inception is his absolute masterpiece at this point it's a film that I've honestly gone on to say that is probably technically the most perfect film I've ever seen. But it also just has a lot of themes in it that, were it not such a great movie, would be like a sledgehammer to your face. Oh, yeah. Like, The Dark Knight, even. Like, I absolutely love The Dark Knight, but everyone has picked apart that movie for the fact that, yeah, its themes are very, very obvious and just kind of spelled out in long discussions. Which you can get away with when your movie stars Batman and Chaos Clown. Copyright <laughs> free. But you can't do that when you have Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway in space doing things with uh, Matt Damon or whatever the hell that movie actually is about. I, again, I haven't seen it, but I don't have the heart. It's contact. Time stream of Matt Damon. I watched, like, a, a scene of Interstellar when it was on uh, TV, and I was done kind of after that one scene. Yeah, I'm good. Space looks pretty. It looks very yep. pretty. Yeah, no one, like, I've I've followed his career from the beginning, and just, like, every single film, even Insomnia, which honestly, like, is not the greatest film 
ever is still insanely enjoyable to watch. Like, Memento, like, The Prestige is one of my absolute favorites. I just, I want this dude to succeed so bad. And it's not just because of the Batman connection. I just have grown attached to him as a filmmaker. So, you the don't idea want to of... live in a world without good Christopher Nolan movies. No, That's you don't. That's a heartbreaking problem. Cinema needs good Christopher Nolan. Oh, yeah. And not only that, but it's like it was a part of us growing up was from the moment he made Batman onwards, he was a part of our lives. He was ingrained there. So if he goes away, that part of our lives just isn't it's it's done. So it's like we already lost Kevin Smith. We can't take another one. (laughs) Steve, next. (laughs) Yes, go go on to the next. All right. I didn't know if we had more Nolan to get off her chest. Uh, July 28th, The Dark Tower. Oh, my second most anticipated film. Something I've been wanting to see since I was 12 years old. <laughs> I've been so confused about what they're trying to do with this series, just because Ron Howard tried for years to do like a trilogy, the TV show connecting the pieces, and then it became kind of like a one-part story, and they're going to build from there, and back and forth, and blah, 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 and now it's its own thing that feels very separate. It's, from my understanding, apparently a type of sequel to the series. It, it makes sense if you've read the books. There's a lot of time-space shenanigans going on. <laughs> yeah, so this is both an adaptation and a definitive ending to the series, which book-wise ends like, in a very open-ended way, mm-hmm. which is something I've always wanted to see since originally reading the books, because as much as I love them, there's a lot of weird wrinkles in those books that come from King only writing one every 20 years or so. <laughs> I've always just wanted to see somebody, whether it's a TV series, a movie, a comic adaptation, just give me a version of this story where everything fits together. No retcons. <laughs> Actually, begin the story with an idea in your head of who the man in black is. Do not change his identity every book. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited by the concept of the Dark Tower, but I don't think any footage has been released so far. A trailer leaked a while ago that was supposed to just come out. Yeah, like, it, it wasn't any finished footage or anything, was it? No, it was, un- it was unfinished. It was just a leaked, like, test trailer for the final. Yeah. Season. But then they never release an actual trailer. It's kind of spooky, because we've seen nothing, but, I mean, look at all the stuff we've seen for War, Spider-Man, in comparison. It it gives me pause that we haven't seen anything, but it's also, it's a a Sony Columbia Pictures movie, and they're confused about how to market things, so... They're banking it all on the Emoji movie. (laughs) So, I, I don't know, I mean... They must still have some form of confidence because they did announce there is still going to be a TV series. Oh, which I cannot wait for, because the Dark Tower is so weirdly structured in that way, it would be really difficult to cover that much story in just a couple of movies. So there being a Roland origin series is very exciting, because Steve King has written so much for that character over the years. They have to. They have to have confidence if they've greenlit that kind of thing. Uh, I think it's still being developed. So hopefully, box office pulp recommends. Eh, give it a shot. I'm I'm super excited though. Super pumped. 
On the opposite end of the spectrum of Super Pumped, August 4th. This has been a surprisingly negative review of the summer. The Emoji Movie. <laughs> You're finally... Re- why, do, why are we talking about the Emoji Movie? Can we just fucking move on? All right. Uh, <laughs> um, what I am very excited for, August 11th, Baby Driver. Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright. Oh, yeah, baby. Who can do no wrong? I, I agree with you. I am so excited for Return of Edgar Wright, and the plot sounds wacky enough that like it would be must-watch for any director, but the fact that it's someone I know is extremely competent behind the lens, whew, I'm excited. There is no other director operating right now who, in my opinion, directs perfect movies. And that that's a title I would give to very few directors in history, much that's less the, right now. But yeah, Edgar Wright, every one of his movies is perfect. It's really amazing. Like, if you go back and watch Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz, it, you just... I, it, it's one of those movies where I would have to fight myself to find something I really didn't care for. Like, those movies just work perfectly for me. And that's not even as slight as other stuff. Like, World's End is also fantastic. All of it is just great, and you can watch it over and over. There's little subtle jokes and layers to them. It's just, the guy gets it, and he does such an amazing job from the script up. Every piece of his movies are absolutely fantastic. So I, I expect nothing but the best from this movie. Baby right. Driver, people, get on it. <laughs> Baby Driver. I agree. I also then, agree. Plus, it's one of the few movies we've covered on this list that has, like, no basis in an existing property. This is, like, a solely original idea. Besides, like, know, the autopsy a... of Jane Doe, pretty much everything else is adapted from some other material. Which isn't necessarily bad. It's just cool to get an original idea where you don't know how it's going to play out. Yeah. That said, I do hope we get a Baby Driver franchise out of this. <laughs> baby Driver, drive harder. It's more Edgar Wright. <laughs> That'd be uh, nice. Yeah. He remakes Ant-Man. There's, there's a part of me that actually really hopes someday he'll get back in the Marvel fold. I doubt that would... I severely doubt that doubt that would ever happen. But how cool would it Ed- be? Edgar, Edgar Wright's Spider-Man has been the ultimate dream project for me for a very long time. It's never going to happen, but... It's, it's always going to exist in that better alternate universe I sometimes visit in my brain. I still really want uh, him to make a James Bond movie, because could you imagine what that would be like? Oh, my God. God. Our, could you imagine if DC pulled the ultimate dick move, they hire him to direct the Atom? <laughs> <laughs> he just takes the script he already has and just... <laughs> Ray Palmer just scribbles that in there. Oh, this seems familiar. I need you to become the Atom. Why is Ryan Choi the star of this? Why why is it a mentor... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why does this have the exact same cast as Ant-Man? To steal (laughs) an Atom. And why is Patrick Wilson playing a different role than Ocean Master in this movie? And the president. President Ocean Master! What I love is I feel Wright could do that in a couple of years. And no one would notice. Probably. <laughs> Both because it's Ant-Man, and because it's DC, and it's the DC Cinematic Universe's version of the Atom. I'm pretty like sure. Under five levers, levels of camouflage there. I'm pretty sure in about five years, you could just release hardcore pornography as a DC live-action film, and no one would notice. I am very confused about the people that are adamant that DC movies 
compete toe to toe with Marvel films or are possibly better than them. I just I can't see it, and I have a hard time wrapping my head around it whenever people say it. Just like, are they, people are, are not sane. Just are they just trolling me, or what is? They, there's got to be some reasoning to why they like they, it. They just want to well, be different. That's all. Well, not only do they want to be different, but they just want to not admit the fact that they're the. It's, it's essentially like sports. Like you're rooting for a specific team. When that team fails, you don't want to admit that they failed because that admits that the other guy won. And in this, it's all about a competition for them. It's it's supposed to be DC trumps Marvel and everything, and it's and that's not happening. So they get very defensive and really latch on to the themes and ideas that were in Suicide Squad. <laughs> they were a family, Andy. Own that uh, shit. Don't be uh, a pussy. Hashtag damaged. I don't want to talk about Suicide Squad. And we're not. Speaking of evil clowns, though. Yes. Next up, we have another Stephen King uh, property who was just having a banner year in 2017. Just two new houses and a boat for that dude. We have It. Which, oh, I am so looking forward to. I am beyond We excited. said no September movies! And then I flip the podcast on its side and storm out. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. We're talking about it because fuck it, we're talking about it. We are not ending this on the Emoji Movie and talking about Edgar Wright. It. There is an It movie coming. And it's gonna feature scary Pennywise, who I assume is still doing odd jobs. I forgot, have they decided to officially do it as one It movie, or is this a two-parter? It's a two-parter. Okay. Yeah. We haven't heard anything about the sequel, but this movie coming up is just going to be the kids. Yeah, okay. so, so this film is going to be the kids, and then the second part is going to be like the adult version. It's going to be the second part of the novel, but less dumb? Maybe. It less- would be amazing if after all that time... They still just shrug their shoulders and say, and then it's a crab spider. I don't know. <laughs> now you go, go away. The... Bev! <laughs> they go with the crab spider or the other way where it's like, and now we have to explain a gigantic cosmic turtle. Hold on to your butts. I hope they go into all the dark tower mythology there because they can now. They can. And, and the one thing I want to see, like, even if the movie's not good, I just want to see the kid from Stranger Things who played Mike shout, You killed Georgie, you bastard! He has the perfect voice for that, too. He does. And it's going to take place in the 80s, so it's going to be double nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm trepidatious about the film, but I like everything that I've seen and heard. And I am so super pumped for there being an It movie in general. So I will watch the fuck out of it. I love how Pennywise looks. I love all the tiny looks of the the world and the things that they're actually including. So I have a good feeling about it. Can we just talk about the fact that for once, for, for once, I would say in the first time ever, it's completely justifiable to be afraid of Pennywise. He looks terrifying. I don't know, man. Tim Curry is pretty damn frightening. At the time, Tim Curry was actually pretty frightening. I, I am really hoping they do manage to make it, like, legit scary. Oh, yeah. I mean, once upon a time, the the TV series was scary for about a week. Maybe the rest of that year. But, you know, 
It's very 90s. I'm looking forward to seeing a version of this story that isn't goofy as shit. That isn't written by an alien. <laughs> Honestly, Mike, some people have no class. Some people have janitors for parents. You're only here because mom says it's our Christian duty. Belch. My heart burns there, too. Beat it. Like, that goes Beat on it. for another three Beat hours. <laughs> Again, the It miniseries is, like, written by late-career Chris Claremont. Oh, it's it's a Dark Place episode. It is. It's so it's weird. It's a three-hour Dark Place episode. If you want to hear our complete, like, unintended right. thoughts for it, get ready, Cody. Oh, oh, I'm set. I was waiting for this. Pulp commentary. Stephen King's It. Cross promotion. One of, if not the single greatest commentary we've ever done for pulp commentaries. One of the finest moments we've ever conceived. And it's because that movie is that movie. It is something to behold. I have never been prouder of a commentary we've ever done. Cody makes a cameo in it. You'll all float down there. You'll float. <laughs> and then after that, there's a Flatliners remake that nobody asked for. Oh, God, I forgot about that. What? No, we're trying to go on a high note. Why do you keep doing this to us? <laughs> yeah, God damn it, James. We're in September. We're out of the summer. Also, technically, that movie is a sequel. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Flatliners is a sequel. Sometimes they don't stay dead. Keith or Sutherland just bursts into an operating room. No, stop. Creating near-death experiences. He is totally in it, though. But Diego Luna's in it, and that's exciting. I'm glad his career's on an uptick after Rogue One. He deserves it. Yeah, he's going to be uh, yeah. Scarface in the Scarface re-remake, isn't he? Yeah, uh, he's uh, he's pouncing, pouncing on it, so I'm glad he's going to uh, getting high profile. Good, good for him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. golf clap, golf clap. Box uh, office recommends Diego Luna. Oh, oh do we ever. I accidentally put my uh, Fitbit in sleep mode with that golf clap. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Your clapping was too gentle. Didn't know, uh, didn't know that was a thing that could happen. And on that note. I was going to say, I have no high-energy way to end this episode. <laughs> if you would like to learn more about the podcast that is known as Box Office Pulp, where every episode contains several hidden Michael Fassbender dicks, you can follow us on Twitter at Box Office Pulp. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. Our website is boxofficepulp.blogspot.com. We are on iTunes and we are on Stitcher. The other fine podcast, the Pulp Podcast Network, or at pulppodcastnetwork.wordpress.com, Graphic Novelism, our other podcast, is also on Twitter at Graphic Novelism and on Facebook Facebook.com slash graphic novelism. It's a lot like this show, except Cody's not there and we're talking about comic books and we actually stay on topic most of the time. Go watch all that shit when you have the time. I'm still working on it. Wait, this is why Frank Grillo is going to kill you. He doesn't approve of improvised music? He, he 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 respects the medium of audio. He he wants it to be he wants it to be described perfectly. James. Yes. Quickly pimp your other comic book show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, that thing I do. <laughs> 
And if you are interested in hearing me talk about comic books with a crowd entirely different from this one, you can listen to me on Supergirl Power Hour. You can check that out at Supergirl Power Hour on Twitter, on Facebook at Supergirl Power Hour, and at supergirlpowerhour.blogspot.com. Bam! Promoted. Well, everyone, I think that's a wrap. Get the hell out of here. Get out of here, you bums. (laughs) Cue outro music and instant classic. People will come back to that in 2018 and be like, man, I can't believe they didn't realize the nuclear holocaust was going to happen. It's a good thing we're all irradiated now. And like that, he's gone. Thank you for reminding me to advertise the other show. <laughs> I was gonna throw I was gonna throw it in there while I was doing it, but I couldn't remember any of the fucking URLs and shit. So I still don't know what the Twitter one for Supergirl. It's like S G S Girl S G Power Hour. Uh, yeah, at S G Power Hour. I always get it wrong. Thank God we were able to get box office pull because of the fucking Twitter. I'm so happy that nobody was camping on that. It is Did you imagine surprising being Bob's that never called podcast? <laughs> Bop pod. Bop a pod. Bop a pod. Oh, that's our new thing. Bop a pod. Bop a pod. Like I don't know what that would infer, but it's our new thing. We got Bop a pod and a lot of jokes about me being beaten to death by Frank Grillo as his wife may or may not be getting off on it. And I'm ever so more glad we were able to carry that through. <laughs> I like how we made we we've done it three times, so at least we have a trilogy. <laughs> I'm very concerned Frank Grillo is actually going to listen to one of these and then just track me down and actually murder me. Yeah, like, I'm that's sure what he Frank wants. Grillo is totally going to listen to one of these. What? He doesn't have any Marvel films keeping him busy. <laughs> Can you hello, stop hello, insulting Frank? This is why he's going to kick your ass. I know. I can't help myself. I'm with Frank Grillo. I feel like he's underutilized in the Purge movies, and that frustrates me. Yeah, now you're walking back. This is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast production. Now please, 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 put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight. And now, on with the show. There are a lot of issues that plague the comic book community at large that are really never kind of addressed. I think what the three of us really wanted to do was do a show where we explore all of that. And by the very hand of Odin himself, we now have <laughs> the seed of this podcast. Marvel's Odin. Does DC have an Odin? They must. I don't, th- I don't think it. so. Let's go with, like, Image Odin. Look, look, DC has Hercules, so he has to have something. Who doesn't have Hercules? Spawn? He has Angela, who's, like, Lady Hercules. She is, she is kind of Hercules-like. Can we still legally say Spawn has Angela? Have I just gotten us in trouble? Well, now that she's Asgardian, I think it's it's fair play, so... Hey, she's not technically Asgardian. Yeah, but she's Asgard's assassin. And she has, like, a weird new haircut. Have you seen Angela's new redesign? Look, we can get all into the pathos of Angela on another episode. That was just a little taste of graphic novelism. <laughs>